Before I get into my life story, I want to tell a parable that kind of illustrates some of the things that I've gone through in my life. And it's about a farmer and a donkey. Now, this donkey is one of his favorite farm animals because once he finishes working with the donkey on the farm, he brings the donkey back home and he allows the donkey to play with his kids. So imagine a farmer coming down the driveway. The kids come running out the house and they wash them, they ride them, they pet them. And then once they finish doing what they're doing, the farmer releases them back out on the farm. They go inside, get ready to eat and get ready for bed. And this becomes a normal ritual. So one day the farmer brings them home. They come on out, they play with them. The farmer releases them back out on the farm. And during the night while the donkey was wandering, he fell into an empty water well. So the next morning when the farmer came out, he started whistling and calling his name. The donkey didn't show up. So the farmer went exploring to try to find them and he found them at the, at the bottom of the well. And when he saw him at the bottom of the well, you know, he decided that of course he wanted to get him out. So he went and got six of his friends and he brought them over to the well. And they all decided that they were gonna try to pull the donkey out with some rope. So all six of them get some rope and they start to lasso the donkey. They throw it down, they miss. They throw it down, they miss. They throw it down, they miss. They throw it and get it around his neck. They don't want to pull that one because it'll choke him, so they loosen it up. They throw it to his hind legs, and he's smart enough to step into the rope. So they shimmy it up his body, and they start to pull. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then halfway up the well, they realize that the donkey's too heavy. So when they realize the donkey's too heavy, they lower him back to the bottom of the well, and now this farmer has to make a grim decision. Now see, he can't feed him food at the bottom of the well because that wouldn't make any sense. He can't starve him because like I said in the beginning, he's more like his pet. You know, one of his hot-headed friends was like, hey, just shoot him. He's like, nah, I can't do that. So one of his more reasonable friends walked up behind him and whispered in his ear. He said, hey, listen, you don't want your kids to fall in the well. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover him with dirt. You're going to have to sacrifice your donkey, but your kids will be safe. So the farmer decided that he could deal with that. So they all get shovels and they start shoveling dirt. And every time that dirt would hit the donkey, the donkey would scream. And every time the donkey would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. You got dirt, scream, dirt, scream, dirt, scream. Then all of a sudden, the scream stopped. And when the scream stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence. But they went back to work. More dirt, more dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, you see the donkey's right here. More dirt, more dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, you see half the donkey's body. More dirt, more dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, that donkey walks right out of the well that he fell into. So check this out. What happened was is this. Every time that dirt came across the wall, it would fall on the donkey's back. 
he would shake it off and he would step on it. And that donkey took every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. So I tell you that story before I get into my story because I am the donkey. And what I would like to do is I would like to share with you some of my dirt. First and foremost, I grew up in a home with a raging alcoholic father. Now, when I say raging, it's with a capital R. This man raged from the time I was born until the time he died when I was 16. Now, I say this to you because any time while I was growing up, I got caught up and, you know, having fun. Something would tap me on my shoulder and remind me that I had to go home to that raging alcoholic father. So I couldn't get too lost in having too much fun. On top of having a raging alcoholic father, I grew up in poverty. Now, both my parents worked full time. My dad was a bus driver. My mom cleaned homes. She was a housekeeper. But my dad's money went to drinking. And my mother ended up raising four kids with just a housekeeping salary. So money in my house was was scarce. It wasn't like we really had a lot of money. On top of growing up in poverty, I grew up in dysfunction. When the leader of your home is an alcoholic, he sets a structure that doesn't function in, in a proper way. You know, I remember as I was growing up that, you know, he would come in and rage out. And, you know, the next morning, my mom would never talk to me about what went on. She would just dress me and I would have to go to school. And no one would even debrief with me what went on the night before. Now, I tell you all this because it was the beginning of my story. It's where I started. And I say this to you because it is the catalyst and the foundation of why I want to reach out and help other people. You know, I call myself the master encourager because I feel like I draw from the things that I went through growing up to give me the ability to be empathetic and put myself in the shoes of those that may suffer or have challenges or obstacles that they have to Mm. deal with as they go through life. But what I did is I took that beginning and I made it through life. I was able to create this, this functional family um, in my head, I was a uh, an elite athlete, and and so I used my coaches as my father figures. I used uh, my teammates as my brothers and sisters, and and I used the positive accolades that I would get from being good in the sport as as what you would get from a family, a traditional family. And so I was able to protect myself in like this bubble. And I went off to, to, you know, I did my high school. And once I finished high school, I, I went off to college. And when I was in college, I, I married that upbringing with a social work degree. And I was able to get the opportunity to create 
a youth development program, which I call Power of Peace. And this program is 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 a compilation of like the files that I have in my head of my life. And what I did is I I I, I took the files in my head and 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 I put the put it together with these activities that I run young people through a two-day experience where they get the opportunity to learn about themselves. But at the same time, they get to create community with the other young people in the group with them. Now, I say create community because when I do my groups, it's about 20 students at a time. And I make sure that my group of students are a cross section of what is represented in their building and in their school. So the group is multicultural. And so as they get to experience themselves, they also get to interact and integrate with the other students in the room. And so it becomes a powerful experience because I feel like young people and people in general step on minds as they go through life. And the mind doesn't blow you up, but the mind creates damage. And when it creates damage, what happens is people have a tendency to make decisions based on the damage rather than what's going on in real time. And so I give these young people an opportunity to go back through their lives and see if they've stepped on the landmine and once they see where they stepped on the landmine, that they can recalibrate their lives and start to project it in a way so that the decisions are based on the immediate and not on their history. You know, um, just like the story of the donkey, you know, I explained to them that their dirt is, is, is their transportation. It's not their destination. So I don't want them to think that they have to feel stuck where they came from because where they came from becomes like with myself, the catalyst that will push them to move on, to be successful. You know, um, with this success of my youth development program, I was also able to create a nonprofit which I call Youth Voices Center. And within this nonprofit, we, we go to schools um, and we help young people become better citizens, contribute to society, to take the things they've gone through and to use them as a catalyst for success rather than an opportunity for failure. And so my mission in life is just to bring peace, bring peace to those that I come in contact with, the youth, um, adults, and something that I'm really, really big on is, is I want my interactions with people to be deliberate, you know? So I want to finish with this. 
short-term people plant gardens, long-term thinkers plant trees, eternity-minded thinkers plant themselves in the souls of others. Wow, right? Now that's something that I wrote in my book, but what I mean by that is this, that if we live deliberate, if we live in a conscious state of mind, we should, once we leave a person, leave an imprint of who we are, what we represent, and how we want to influence the world. So I want all of you to think about what your story is. What is your story? Where have you come from? Everybody has a story. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be major. But we all have a place where we started. But we want to take these stories and we want to use them not to help, not only to help to influence ourselves as motivation, but to use them to help and influence other people. So I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to speak to you and share with you who I am. And I want you to take this information and use it as an instrument and a tool to motivate and push you to a higher level. What have I learned about myself sharing uh, this story? What I've learned about myself sharing this story is the fact that, um, you know, I was resilient. You know, I learned, I learned that I had to go through all the different things in my life to be in a position to do what I do now for a living. You know, um, when I speak to groups, I often say that, you know, one day you're just sitting around and you realize that everything makes sense. And as I travel and speak in the people's lives today, I realize that everything, you know, it wasn't the greatest I wasn't happy while I was going through it, but it, it was all um, part of a plan for me to be able to do what I do um, on a regular basis. Uh, one of my biggest dreams, one of my biggest dreams, you know, is, uh, you know, I, I, I get invited to do commencement speeches and, you know, I talk. In, in smaller groups, but um, my, my, my one of my biggest dreams is to be able to speak on a big stage. You know, I see motivational speakers that speak in arenas and, you know, you know, the thousands and thousands of people come to hear that message. Um, but my big dream is to, to speak on a big stage and have a lot of people come and, and hear an inspiring message. So that's one of my biggest dreams. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard. And we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. 
You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time. 